Want to build a thriving business while make a much bigger impact in the world by becoming known as an influential voice in your industry? The choice versus just a choice with your ideal client? That's exactly what you're going to learn as I interview business experts, industry thought leaders and entrepreneurs who are in the trenches making their mark so you can too. This is award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode. So my guest today says the best bet you can ever make is the one you make on yourself. And joining me on today's show is Richard Parker. Richard's course, How to Buy a Good Business at a Great Price. Well, that program has sold over 100,000 copies. He was hired by Ray Dalio to teach one of his sons the art of buying small businesses. He's published 200 articles and has appeared in Forbes, New York Times, The Street Entrepreneur Magazine, Inc. And on today's show, he's going to share the three biggest mistakes prospective businesses who are buying what they make, those mistakes. He's going to talk about why now may be the best time in the last 30 years to buy a business, as well as discover how to be among the 10% who successfully buy a business. So welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Lots to dive into today. So with the last point you're going to cover, we're talking about how to be amongst the 10% who successfully buy a business. So I'm assuming that there are about 90% of other people who do go to buy a business who unfortunately are probably making some of the mistakes that you're going to talk about today. Yes? Yeah, that's exactly correct. And it's it's unfortunate because the statistics are, are abysmal, right? I mean, at nine, a 90% percent failure rate and some have it pegged slightly higher to typically around 94 percent is really unbearable when you think about it in anything i mean to, to have that rate of failure when in reality it's completely avoidable and when you're talking about buying a business i mean speak a little bit about to give context because some people may be thinking about buying into a franchise some might be building or buying a business that has already been built up so with the statistics is this across the board with franchises and 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 standalone businesses so it's a great question because i focus um on existing businesses but they could be existing franchises so people who acquire a new franchise in other words they build a new location or they're, they're opening up a new location. They're carved out of that, um, of that data. But yes. anyone who's buying, there's, there's a huge market of franchise resales of what they're called, which is the sales of existing franchise locations. And those are lumped into the existing non-franchise businesses that are sold. So those statistics aggregate those two. They're both, yes. they're, they're both part of the same. Yeah, I have another follow-up question to this as well. And I'd imagine that the people that you deal with are probably not business owners already. So it's not an existing business who is actually buying a, a, maybe a business competitor or so forth, or or is this the, the mistakes that you see commonly made for, for both those people? So not just new business owners who are looking to buy into a business, but perhaps existing businesses who are buying into a business to expand their business. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And it's a great question because a lot of what we focus on um, and I had a, uh, an interview earlier today was asking a similar question related to how people can potentially expand their business by buying or acquiring other businesses, which can be done at the lower market as well. So 
So yes, this, this includes the market of any individual that is looking to acquire a business, be it a franchise resale or a non-franchise business, or as it relates to individuals that are current business owners that are looking to expand their business through acquisition. Well, the reality is they know their business, right? There's no disputing that. They know their business, they know their market, they know their customers, they know what they go to do, what they get up every day to do. So they're, they're well-versed in that, but they know, generally speaking, they have absolutely no clue related to the acquisition of another business unless they've done it before several times. I've, you know, I'm doing this for 30 years. I've acquired 13 business and one co-investment. I still learn something new in every deal. So, you know, you know, you're, you're always evolving to become, you know, to, 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 um, increase your knowledge base. Yes. And it's wonderful that we're able to tap into um, your expertise because, as we know through the introduction, you've been involved in, in this and you're learning and evolving all of the time with, with each new experience. So let's talk about what are the three biggest mistakes that you see prospective business buyers make? We need to avoid these. Okay. So the, the first thing is, which seems pretty logical for someone who's not in the, um, the mix of looking to acquire a business, is individuals typically jump in they have no experience so most people have never bought a business before so they jump into this process they have no experience no knowledge no expertise no preparation they haven't established any criteria for the type of business that they're going to want to buy and the internet which in some ways is a blessing for this industry is also a horrible curse because you have this you know this this uh in incredible amount of information many most of it is generic a lot of it is useless and then you have these uh, publicly listed business for sale websites where the majority of those businesses never sell. And those businesses are typically posted by business brokers. 75% of those businesses never sell, which is crazy. So what happens is people jump into this process and immediately start um, flailing around the internet, looking for information. They generally get their hands on generic or useless information. Um, some of it may be valuable, but in the aggregate, it's really poor. And they're looking at businesses. So they're, they're contacting sellers, they're contacting brokers. They have no idea what questions to ask. They have no idea when financial information is presented to them, what to make of it. And so what happens is they go through that, with that lack of knowledge, they try to, um, um, uh, squeeze their way through the process. Right. And Mm -hmm. they end up encountering one situation after another where they, come across questions that they're, they're not sure how to answer. These are life-changing decisions. And so they go through the t- you know all of these stages without making any real progress. Very often, people just spend countless hours try- searching the internet, um, looking for businesses, trying to figure out which, if any, may be right for them. And, that, and that's a, a, a horrible way to go. It's like going into a starting, uh, in a race, the starting uh, gate, and the gun goes off, and everybody runs in 12 different directions. You have to know what the finish line looks like. And that really leads to the second point, which is the right business. So people are typically searching endless business for sale listings. They have no clue what business is right for them, hoping they're figuring it out um, figuring out what it's going to be along the way. And it's really what we call here in America, I know in your Melbourne, Australia, we call it ass backwards, right? The first thing that you're supposed to do is your first, you've got to get a handle on the type of business that's right for you. And then it's quite easy to find and buy it. So that's point number two, the first one being lack of knowledge, experience, expertise, et cetera. Second one being um, honing in on what business is right for you. And the third thing is understanding that there's no such thing as a perfect business. 
every business existing business you know a startup is a perfect business because you don't have any there's there's nothing wrong yet but there's nothing good yet right so yes. you haven't you haven't done anything everything is blue sky everything everything sounds fantastic but it, it generally doesn't work out that way but when you're looking for an existing business or franchise, every existing business, it has warts, it has pimples, it has blemishes. There's no such thing as perfection. And for someone to, you know, to get into the mindset of being an entrepreneur, you have to understand these imperfections. You have to mitigate potentially difficult ones. So ones that could cause problems down the road, those you mitigate for, or if they're too problematic, you walk away from. But you, you as you go through this process, you have to understand that people tend to treat incidents as catastrophes and oftentimes it's an uncertainty they haven't they haven't done anything uh, uh, overtly entrepreneurial at this point in, in their lives so i mean i get it but getting the mindset of i'm going to buy a business it may not be perfect but you're going to solve for all potential issues related to the pricing the terms the conditions your due diligence but the goal is you want to get your hands on a good solid stable business because if you do it right both theoretically and practically speaking you can get the keys on a monday and you take a paycheck on friday mm. you'll understand so those are the key th the th three th again first being lack of knowledge second being honing in on what business is right for you and the third understanding that nothing is perfect. You just have to get it yes. as to that as you can. Yeah. And I would imagine, uh, Richard, that within each of those different um, mistakes that you see, there could be a lot of different components that people need to be aware of. It's one of those things, people don't know what they don't know. And you can't base decisions that could be life-changing. Uh, and of course, buying a business that ends up being a business that you know, drains you from your energy, ends up increasing your stress and financial uh, stress as well is certainly something that uh, we'd want to avoid. Out of all of those three, and would you say that one is the most common and if they tend to, I have a saying that individually each of these things are so important, but collectively they are crucial. So do you find that a good place to start, and I know we're going to talk about, you know, discover how to be amongst the 10%. What would you say is a complete red flag for anybody who is already in a, the process of starting to, to um, find a business and they've listened to what you've just said, Richard, and they, well, I've kind of got that covered. What is a red flag that you often will see people, if you really don't get this right, the whole lot of what I've just spoken about ends up being a problem? Okay, because you so, haven't foreseen. Does that make sense? It makes sense. There's a few questions in there, but let me hone into one that I believe, based on my experience, is the most important one, which yes. is point number two that I made. There's 23 stages in this process of buying a business, from thinking about it to getting organized to getting people on board to engaging potential business brokers to starting the search and, and the timing. So going through that whole process, anybody could do this if you break it down into manageable bite-sized pieces. Now, you don't want to make any big mistakes, of course, but... To, to give you some context and maybe reduce this to the absurd, if you will, right? Mm. If you were to do an average job on everything, even make a couple of mistakes, no big ones, no, you know, ones that are going to put you out of business quickly. But if you do an average business, an average job on all of the steps in the process, but you get the right business for you, right? That piece, you've, you're 50% there. Yeah. Because there's nothing singularly 
which was your initial question, singularly, there's nothing more important than that. And, yeah. you know, the way I try to explain it to people is in a couple of ways. One is if you're going to look for, get it, trying to get a job, it's okay to embellish your skills a little bit during the interview process, because your goal is to get the job and you want to get your foot in the door and you understand that there's people and colleagues that are going to help you find your way and sort of um, some of your weaknesses or shortfalls. And it's absolutely true what you said. People don't know what they don't know. And that's always dangerous. But when you're buying a business, you're, you know, that's on your money right? It's your money at stake in your future. So what I, what's important for people to figure out is the following. Everybody has one, what I like to call one magical skill. It could be sales. It could be marketing. It could be dealing with, um, uh, you know, build, putting a plan together, dealing with employees, um, logistics, whatever it may be. So that single skill set is the following. Whatever it is that you do best has to be the single most important driving factor of the revenues and profits of any business you consider purchasing because you can hire and outsource for everything else. But there's always a single thing that is the gold in a business that drives the business and whatever skill set it takes for that driver to happen, that is what you've got to have. Yeah, I totally. As you said that, I, I totally agree with that because it's it's also going to create that fulfillment, that passion. And you would know that for being a business owner yourself, something that you continue to create and, and evolve. And even though you may be purchasing an existing business, there still is that requirement of you continuing to maintain the momentum that has already been built and if you're not excited about that if that doesn't get you up in the morning it's going to be very difficult for you to overcome challenges and there's challenges in everything isn't it and there's risks and all those things but it's yeah you'll find yourself um becoming very um yeah, downcast soon if you find that you don't like even showing up within Correct. your business like Correct. totally Correct. Wow. And, you know, one of the things that you point out related to passion, where I think people, in, you know, have this misconception of, you know, find something you love, you know, this whole thing, you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life, or find something you're passionate about and go into that business. You know, th that sounds terrific, but it's not the reality of things, right? Wow. And so what happens is when you get into a business, and of course, you've got to be proud of the business that you acquire and what it does and the products and services that it offers. But the passion develops. It, you, you, it's rare that you start off at a high level of passion. The passion develops because you've got into a business, you've, um, you've changed your life. You don't have to work for somebody anymore. You're in control of your own destiny. You, there's no ceiling to your earnings. You're contributing to the life of others. You're, you're getting up every morning to build something, to grow something that over time is going to add substantial value. And then come at one point down the road, you're going to sell it for infinitely more than you paid for it. So the, everything that happens in a business, cause it's, it's like a living, breathing, um, animal, right? A, a business things, things change and there's ups and there's downs and there's great times and there's horrible times. And I've had businesses that have you know been absolute phenomenal successes while at some point in time during that business, I, you know, I went to sleep on Monday night. I had no clue how I was going to make payroll on Friday. And so you have these, you know, these emotional roller coaster parts, but all of that contributes to developing excitement about the business and you you get up every morning with a purpose and excited and 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 you know running into the office so the passion really develops over time it, it that's, that's it's, right. it's it's rare that it happens from the beginning continue you know continue to to take whatever steps that are necessary and and 
talking about um, you mentioned earlier about looking to see whether a business fit you if you're someone who's very maybe entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial you've got to then look at if I go into a franchise what are the regulations around what you've got you know an opportunity to change there's going to be some rules and regulations that they don't want you to go off you know left field because of the fact that it's under their franchise so these are just things that you need to consider I think and um and the reason I mention that is because you hear of individuals that go into roles that they just can't thrive within because the environment in which they're working isn't conducive to their style, their motivation, what drives them, their, their key skill is, is in strength, as you said. And similarly to a business, are you buying a business that has, you know, um, structures around it, say, is in a franchise that is quite restricted or feels constricting to you and you can't make the changes that you may want to ch- change um, because of what what's in place. And these are just things that you need to consider. And as we've said, we are just scratching <laughs> the surface. Let's just move on to the next because you say that now may just be the best time even in the last 30 years to buy a business. Share more about this. Okay, it's a period that I call beautiful upheaval. I mean, there's there's just some wonderful things at play that put um, the, the advantage in my, in, in my view um, in the buyer's court. And, you know, there's not, there isn't blood in the streets but it's starting to seep in. And when that happens, it's generally opportunistic for acquirers. And some of the things, for example, you know, interest rates are going up, um, inflation, um, there's concern presently about inflation and whether someone um, listens to this today or or 10 years from now when the economy is in flux, right? It's this, this is all, these things all um, play into the, um, into whether or not it's somewhat of a buyer's market or seller's market. So you have those three things specifically at play. And what happens is many buyers are scared or prospective buyers are scared. That equals less buyers. Typically that equals a buyer's market. In other words, you have a business for sale, the buyer pool that you can potentially sell your business to, if that's shrinking, so that's so your, your valuation typically shrinks commensurately, right? And furthermore, valuations have been made very difficult over the last few years because of the um, pandemic. And so you had some companies that just completely went out of business. You had consumer products businesses that did unbelievable and they've dropped typically 20 to 30% after. Then you had subsequent years to the pandemic where the, the you don't you don't know what was a good measure of the business. In other words, you had one business, you know, a year was up or a year was terribly down, then the next year wasn't an indication. Was it closer related to two years before the pandemic? Or is it more, is, is this the new normal related to the business, the level of revenues and the level of profits? So what that leads to, if you're a buyer looking to buy a business, you have all this uncertainty within the business itself and, and it's quantifiable. It's not like your own perception that the business is in flux. This, these are the numbers that are dictating that. The numbers don't lie. People lie. So if the numbers indicate the, like a bit of a roller coaster scenario, what happens is it it causes a, a an astute buyer to say, "Hey, I'm going. The only way I'm going to do this is on a performance based deal. 
So I need to know what the business is going to look like. It's great. I'm, I'm, you know, it, it's okay to pay. Uh, you look at the historical financials of a business. So you consider the past you, and of course the, the present, but you buy it for the future. If you have no insight to what that future is going to look like based on the past, because the past should be somewhat representative of the future. But if it's, mm-hmm. you know, up and down and all over the place, then it's hard to peg evaluation. So you have to, you have to attach a performance piece to the valuation that's advantageous to a buyer. And the other piece is, you know, as interest rates go up, um, leverage forces more seller notes. And America is very prevalent. Uh, seller financing, 91% of our clients have a component of seller financing to all of their deals. And right now it really is the bridge in many cases of the only way to get a job to the finish line. There are some government programs with financing, which are good, but if the business and the individual doesn't qualify, I mean, seller financing is not only um, uh, uh, normal in these uh, transactions, now it's prevalent. I mean, there's there's no escaping it because that's the only way the seller is going to get get to a, a closed deal. So I think yeah. all these things in, in, you know, in combined really make it, it's, it's, Again, I call it beautiful upheaval because it's it's so advantageous to the buyer. All these things for people who have, you know, the um, the strength and fortitude of character to be able to march on through some difficult times are going to un- uh, uncover some unbelievable opportunities. Yeah. Before we move on to the next point about, you know, what are some of the things that we need to do so that we can be among the 10% who successfully buy a business? And you mentioned a couple of times, and of course, yourself as being who's going to be one of those resources, um, business brokers. We know in other industries, there are often some some things that we need to be aware of as red flags. And I would imagine that even in, in the industry of business brokers, we need to be armed, if you will, if I can use that word, armed so that we can recognize is the person to whom I'm speaking to and the questions that I am asking, is this going to help me to determine whether this is someone that I want to represent me, you know, to go out and find a potential business or someone that I can then use as as expertise. What are some things, Richard, that we need to look out for if we are going down the line of, I want to look at opportunities for businesses that I can buy, but I want someone on my team. Um, what do we need to look out for and what are some red flags? So the first thing that people need to consider is, you know, understand business brokers. And I do a lot of um, uh uh, investment banking, so a higher level business brokerage. So anything that I'm saying in a negative way, I'm in the industry. So it's just yes. a, recogni- a recognition of, of the facts. Individuals need to understand that business broker, unless you're paying a business broker, they don't represent you. They're not going to dispense unbiased advice. Their goal, and understandably so, so is to sell you a business. Their goal and their job is not to sell you the right business. Some have, um, you know, uh, are more sincere and are more concerned about that. But by and large, their goal is to get you into a business and have a completed deal because that's how they put food on their table. And mm-hmm. unless you're paying them, I mean, that's the same in it for, for the most part in any commissioned industry. Um, I, I believe in using a business broker. Unless you're paying them, understand what their role is right? And very often in these transactions, you're going to be dealing with this seller's broker. Now you may engage, you may have come across the listing through a a broker in in regions where uh, business brokers cooperate on transactions. So there's, there's three real areas where a broker can help you. They can help you gain access to business that are listed for sale, either within their own brokerage firm or other ones that they may be aware of or or, or listings of of colleagues. They um, can deliver bad news to the seller. 
and you know, you're going to be buying a business, you're going to need that seller almost in all cases for a transition period to help you learn the business. And so if there's bad news to be delivered to the seller, let the broker do it because you need to have a relationship with them, not only during the, the discussions of, of the of the acquisition, but post-acquisition. So let them be delivered the bad news. And the third thing is they've done this before, right? They know how the documentation that's involved, what inform, you know, if it's, whether it's a lease assignment or some, um, an environmental issue that needs to be investigated contracts, they've done this before. This is what they do every day. So they understand how deals get done. So, you know, yes, you want to, you know, if it makes sense to use a business broker, great, but keep in mind, that's not your unbiased advisor. Right. Mm. You're far better off to get a mentor who's done this before. You know, the the easiest way, the the oldest proven method and formula for success when you're trying something new in your life is to just find someone who's proven successful at it and copy them. And even better if you can get them as a mentor. So that's not the role of a business broker. Great, 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 great advice. And of course, we'll get give you an opportunity, Richard, to share how people can reach out to you because I'm assuming that that's the support that you will often that you can offer as well, and you've got resources uh, available too. Okay, so how can we be amongst the ten percent who successfully buy a business? What do we need to do? So the first thing I think you go back and you look at what is the, you know, the polar opposite of the, the mistakes, the biggest mistakes people make, right? Of the three biggest mistakes. So the first thing is you, you've got to get acquired the knowledge. Now you don't, you know, you want to get up as quick, as, as, as fast as pop, possible to a level of expertise, right? And again, when I talk about a level of expertise, I want people to understand this is do, anybody can do this, right? This is a, this is a, um, it's not difficult, it's complicated. And so understanding the various components of the process is critically important. Acquiring the knowledge that they need for the various stages of how you're valuing a business, what you need to do during due diligence, what you need to negotiate. Um, you know, there's 36 key questions you need to ask the sellers. What are those? What are, you know, what questions should you be asking? What answers should you be looking for? And if in the case that there's a, an answer back, you know, what is the response to that? Because typically questions beget more questions, right? So people get into this process, they have, you know, way too many questions that go unanswered. That's why they abort, right? Because they just become overwhelmed. So the first thing is you have to gain knowledge. You have to um, learn what's involved related to getting getting in your own head and being very clear what type of business is right for you. Like I know I have five golden rules for buying a business. I'm happy to share that with you afterwards, which, which are unbreakable and these evolved over time. Like I will never buy a business if it has four, it's got to have all five and people need to formulate their own golden rules of what they want in a business. A lot of that is personal. Some of it could be financial. So um, the understanding, the knowledge, getting the knowledge and expertise to deal with all the various steps in the process is paramount. I mean, there's, there's no getting away from that. And it, it doesn't matter where you get it. If it's from an individual, if it's from a course or what have you, you have to get the, the information. The other thing is um, you can't fall for, um, for these, um, sort of guru type programs. I tell people to be very weary. You know, there's all kinds of, in, in every industry, there's these, these alleged gurus on the internet selling programs for thousands of dollars. And most of them are just gurus in marketing, right? They've never even done what they've done before. And so tell people should be very cautious before they drop five, 10, $25,000, um, uh, to, um, on these type of programs. The other thing is getting in tune with the financials. So most 
there's a number that says the majority of businesses or small business transactions will, will fail during the due diligence stage. And that usually comes after a contract is in place. So getting comfortable with the financials and learning how to read a financial statement and understanding that is important. But the beauty is you can hire an accountant to help you do that. And then it's walking through the various stages in the process in a methodical manner and being able to yell help. Like if you can't do this whole thing in six months, you're something's drastically wrong, right? From the beginning of four, four months, it takes four months to find a business, a month to negotiate, a month to do a month to do diligence. So you should be able to do it in six months. So the 10% who um, succeed are either two groups. They're the groups who've done it before numerous times and they have a track record. They know, you know, the, what type of business is right for them. They know how to negotiate. They know how to value a business. They know what to look for in due diligence. They know how to structure a contract. They know, so they have a track record. They have an advantage. The other group that succeeds are, are the ones that gain the knowledge that they need in order to become experts, right? Yes. So they, and, and I know, I understand that if it's somewhat of a generic statement, but there's no excuse for the knowledge and preparation. So people that want to get into, and I'll give someone, you know, give you an example. If you're not sure what type of business is right for you, well, go onto the publicly listed businesses for sale, pick three or four categories that you think you're interested in. Yeah. Line up four or five sellers within each. Suddenly you have a sample size of 20 business owners that are, have their businesses for sale that you can go and meet. You can ask them the questions. I'll help them get the questions, of course, but you can ask them the questions. And after each meeting, you could determine, do I like this business, right? Mm -hmm. Do I like this individual? Do I trust them? Can I see myself running this business? And if the answer is no, then you look at uh, several others. It may be a case if you have to rinse and repeat and say, oh, those four categories are not for me. And very often people think they want to turn a hobby into a business, which in very rare ca cases succeed, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going through these various steps and um, in a methodical way is how you navigate your way down the road. It's step by step. Yes. Yes. Important. So important. Yeah. And, and, and one of the other things that you touched upon was related to franchises, which you brought up a, a great point. For the most part, franchises are not for entrepreneurs. They're for people that want to own a business. The reason why a franchise is successful is because you do, you follow the processes and procedures that have worked mostly well in other locations. It's not for pioneers and everything is about the brand. You, you have to put the brand first. And yeah. so if you're someone who's, you know, a pioneer, an entrepreneur looking to do great things and you come across a marketing strategy that doesn't seem to work and you want to change it and you want to do something different, that's not what a franchise is built for. Mm. And so, you know, it's it, following the rules yeah right you know if you're like, someone that doesn't like following rules or you see a rule and you think we can improve on that you know not rules for you broken if no actually way. that's what everyone says but the actual truth is rules are meant to be obeyed right and so that's the point of the rule right so that's why don't buy a franchise yeah, do yourself right. a franchise do yourself a franchise do yourself a favor don't buy a franchise but we're, and you'll give that advice for free. <laughs> that, for free. Yeah. My, my pleasure. My pleasure.
<laughs> Love this. As I said, we have only just um, scratched the surface in this conversation, but I hope that for those people who have listened today, who have been considering or, or are in the process, I'm sure just from listening to your advice, it gives them an understanding then that there really is a framework to follow the, you know, and, and to really make sure that they do their due diligence, they do the research in the right areas, have a good support team around you. And that's not only the, the legal and so forth, but a mentor who has done it before and has, has possibly helped others to do that before as, as well because, as you've pointed out, a business broker, some of those people, um, don't have your best interests at heart. No. But rather, as you said, their, their remuneration uh, is when the deal is done. So what are they going to be seeking to make sure the outcome is done? And, again, uh, yes. um, that may not be the best business for you and a mentor and someone who's able to support you is going to be able to point that out. So, Richard, how do people get in, in touch with you and perhaps um, a bit of a snapshot on, on how you can support them? Okay, the first thing I want to tell people is, you know, just remind them that if they, you know, if they have any interest or inkling to get into business on their own, they, they owe it to themselves to at least investigate what's involved and to go down the road a little bit to, to learn and see, hey, you know, for some it will be for them, for others it won't. But, you, you know, you owe it to yourself if you have this, you know, just an ounce of uh, inclination to be an entrepreneur or be in your own business. You really should go down the path because, again, it's it, this is doable. I mean, anybody can do this. Not everybody will, but it's doable by anyone because it's not we're not talking about sending men to the moon here. Um, you know, from my perspective, you know, I never went into this, the, the business or the the program that we've sold a hundred thousand copies of, I never went into this as a business. I like, I'm still stunned that we've sold the amount that we've sold over the years. I did it just to put all my years of experience to memorialize it to hopefully, you know, the night before we launched this product, my, my wife from your hometown said, um, you know, how many think you're going to sell? And I said, my only goal is to, um, help one person either buy the right business or buying the right, avoid buying the wrong one. So when I'm trying to dispense advice to people, I hope it comes across in a sincere manner. It makes no difference to my lifestyle whatsoever if I never sell another program. But if people go to richardparker.com, I've published, there's 200 plus articles related to buying a business. They're all free. They're all on the website. People can go through there. You can get a very good understanding. Every step in the process of buying a business is laid out in a in like a, a head category. And within that, you anywhere from five to 25 articles in each category. So they can really learn about a lot about it. If anybody has a question, if they go to the, the contact us page, they, again, on richardparker.com just mention in your message to ask them to please forward the message to me because if not a support person will, will respond to it but if you ask them to send it to me and i'm happy to address any questions or get on the phone with anybody at any time you know the, the big part of what we do the 90 percent figure that i told you 82 percent of our clients buy a business within six months so we've really turned the industry upside down for many many years because what we do works and i help you know i I'm on the phone outside of doing these wonderful interviews with people such as yourself. I spend most of my days on the phone or on email helping our clients and I never charge them for it. I just want to see them buy the right business. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, just the fact that, you know, you've given so much uh, rich resources on the website as well as a great place for, for people to, to start really validates you know, your heart in wanting to support people. And uh, I think that's often the way that really good businesses 
are built on the back of, isn't it, of being integral and sharing what you've learned because you can certainly fast track to success and also fast track to success through supporting people and avoiding the pit holes um, that they may not even be aware that are there. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that you were saying earlier before we went live, this is your third interview. So you've certainly been sprinkling your wisdom around the place today and we thank you for coming on the show and uh, doing likewise with our audience as well. And and we wish you all the best, Richard, and anybody who is looking to buy a business. Um, yeah. Well, well thank do, you very do, much. Do your I, research. Richard's website is certainly a go-to resource as you're, yeah, expanding your knowledge in this area. Thanks for well, coming on the show. Well, thank you very much. I've appreci- I appreciated you. Ask great, insightful questions, and I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you again for having me. It's been an honour. My pleasure. All the best. Thank you. The same. Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition, or new clients you'd hope for, and you don't know why? I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads, and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace, and you've Positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.